Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to the Sermon Podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in Las Vegas. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, chapter 12. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither reap nor sow. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do not be afraid. Over and over again, the Bible tells us from angels and from the mouths of prophets and even Jesus, be not afraid. Have no fear. But of course, we are afraid. Sometimes. Often, in fact, 
But, you know, I want to think about this because fear has a purpose. Fear can be a good thing. Fear is a natural instinct. We remember it tells us when we are in danger. It can be a signal to make a choice to run or hide or fight. Fear is a way of putting us into motion, making a plan, avoiding negative consequences or protecting ourselves. I started watching this documentary series, and I definitely commend it to you. It's called 100-Foot Wave. Anybody seen this? Oh, man. This is awesome, and I've told plenty of surfing stories, but this is about big wave surfers. Big wave surfers, okay? And uh, they are in search of a wave so tall it would give you nightmares, for sure. These waves have been crashing for thousands of years, and yet big wave surfing, as an extreme sport, only came to prominence with increases in technology. They tried to tow surfboards out with boats that didn't work, but it was when they found a jet ski or a wave runner could tow a surfer miles offshore to these massive waves that somebody was going to ride them. Large offshore swells, 30, 40, 50 feet high, and there's only a few places in the world uh, where these large waves uh, can be found due to the shape of the coast and the ocean floor and uh, weather conditions. So you can imagine it took a certain brand of athlete to want to take on this challenge. It takes a team of people to make it happen, a safety team. And the surfers become experts in local climate and weather patterns, but the risks and hazards are numerous. In this sport, apparently fear is a part of the fun. And imagine this, big wave surfers are taking a risk every time they go out there by risk of drowning, of reefs, sharks, probably, boards, and and falls from the height of an eight-story building, smacking into that water that's not soft. Worry and fear come with the territory. And uh, Grant McNamara, subject of this documentary, the main subject of this show, he says himself, I'm a fear junkie. He's gotten used to that feeling and chases it every time he goes out there. You're not getting me out there. No, two, two to four feet, that was kind of my, that was my happy place. When we may not all surf 100-foot waves, but we know the, that feeling of fear, when that adrenaline spikes, or maybe dread or worry that keeps us up at night. How many have lied awake at night, consumed with worry and fear about the future, or just the next day and the things we have to do? We, we lie awake at night wondering, how are we going to pay off student loans and medical bills? Will I, will I be accepted and loved in my workplace by my family? How will we get our kids through school? How will we pay off these medical bills, prepare for retirement, while others have to worry about finding an affordable place to live or how to put food on the table? We know money doesn't solve all our problems, But there are times when just a little more money would really help a lot. It's also the case that humanity can become obsessed with financial gain at the expense of those around us. Unchecked accumulation becomes a problem because it's based on fear. And we call this greed. We don't want just a little, we want it all. And when we don't have what we want, we become afraid. I think this is what Jesus is teaching about today. When we jump into the middle of Luke's gospel here, 
important to remember, he's the liberator on his way to Jerusalem. According to theologian and scholar David Tede, Luke's version of the story may be considered a passion narrative with extended introductions. He's going to the cross. That's where we're headed. So Jesus is followed by crowds of thousands and they stop to ask him questions and interrupt him. And this one stops to ask him to settle a dispute between his brother and himself. And we don't know much about the background of the case, but when one brother approaches Jesus with the question, he refuses to answer it, but he calls this person friend. Who set me to be a judge over you? Hmm, Is that a pointed question? Is this the kind of thing Jesus is here for? Does Jesus want this man to answer? Who sent, who sent me to be a judge over you? Is he testing his faith? There's a tendency for us to do this too. We think Jesus is on our side in every dispute. And we say, Jesus, tell him. Tell him, Jesus. You're with me, right? We ask Jesus to step in between us and those with whom we disagree. Because we expect to be vindicated to be right and to be rewarded. And Jesus turns and speaks directly to the heart of this person and sets him straight about what really matters. He tells this parable about a wealthy farmer. So much grain, so much of a harvest and abundance that he doesn't know where to put it. Running out of space for all my loot. Yet he's afraid. He's worrying about what to do with his growing stash of grain and decides... Well, I need a bigger bin. I need a, I need a bigger barn, right? Store this, this wealth. We can imagine any who would pass by would see, oh, look, building some bigger bins over here. This giant safety deposit box out by the side of the highway. Know how much work he's done to protect the profits of his labor. Would he be satisfied then? Would he still have this fear of the future? Would he need even bigger barns after a while? His unchecked accumulation has become a burden and greed his main motivation. Did the man produce abundantly? What does the text say? It was the land that produced abundantly. Greed is a kind of fear. And what is greed but this perpetual fear of not having enough? Enough money, enough time or status or power. Jesus is asked about this dispute between two brothers, and he decides not to wade deeper into their argument, but makes a clear statement. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's not what it's about. It's not about what we own or earn. Jesus cautions against storing up treasures when we're not rich toward God. And I mean, think we, we think we'd know better. If greed is fear, then we'd know not to fall for it because God's word consistently and constantly calls us to be unafraid. It's not easy. God knows. Because we become afraid when things seem out of control. And we can be lured into thinking that if we had more money or more power or more status or more influence or more followers, that we would have more control. This week, tragic news of the loss of lives of American service members 
and hundreds of Afghani families has shaken us, gives us reason to be afraid, to worry, to dread. And today, as we speak, people in New Orleans and the surrounding areas, many evacuated as another terrible storm makes landfall there. And we continue to mourn the loss of life and anxiety of this pandemic perpetuated by COVID-19. How can we possibly be unafraid? And it's another one of those times when people are asking me, so this is it, right, preacher? This is, this is the end times. This is the world, right? This is the end? I said, well, for some, yes. For some, the world is, is always coming to an end. But for us, we have reason to move forward faithfully. Jesus reminds people, he continues this conversation and answers the question by reminding people of how much God loves and cares for them. Like the birds of the air, God feeds us. Like the lilies of the field, we are clothed and made beautiful to God. Like the grass, our existence may be short, but we are created for a purpose and we are known by the maker of all things. Our eyes and our hearts get distracted by the things of this world, little things and big tragedies and personal annoyances. But our calling is to be devoted to serving the kingdom that God freely gives us. When we strive for the kingdom, when we are about the things of God and not those little things that just get at us, when we treasure the beautiful word of God, we see things through the cross of Christ, we live out this baptismal calling to trust God, to proclaim Christ in word and deed, to care for others and the world God made, to work for justice and peace here and now. So why should we worry? Why should we fear? It still happens. Luke's orderly account of the good news of Jesus the Christ includes a similar speech, the one we heard in Matthew. We heard it a couple of weeks ago. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? He says, what's the point? You're not the one in control here. Trust. Seems like the only other alternative. Trust in this word, this living word that's with us, that's right in front of us, that's speaking to us. Life is not about what we control or influence or earn. Our lives are about sharing from the abundance that has been freely given to us. So we get to, not have to, we get to share our experience, our wisdom, our passions, our memories, our voices, our expertise, and our empathy. Our lives in Christ are already abounding in gifts we get to share with the ones God has placed in our paths. And we are bound together by this love of God, by this powerful Holy Spirit in our lives, this embrace. And our lives in Christ are not about getting more, but about extending this grace out into a world that's hurting. Good news for ones in need. Not storing up riches, but serving neighbors who need us. Giving of ourselves and seeking justice and walking humbly and carrying on with Christ, who has been sent by God to free us 
through his cross from our fear and our worries and our sin and our self-interest and our selfishness. We have been granted an abundance of love and lives lived for others. That's why we can live unafraid of whatever comes, illness and grief and loss and pain and war and disease and disaster, it will come. But we are not to be afraid, but to trust. Our trust can't be in things or our labor or our wisdom, but in God alone. Do not be afraid, little flock. How much more comforting does it get than that? That image. An eagle's wings, the mother hen, it's all there. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock. You belong to me. Your lives are in Christ Jesus. And he's near in all our times of struggle and loss and worry. And the one who creates the waves themselves and has dominion over the sea and the land and the air and all of us, sends Jesus into our lives and into the world to witness to grace, to be God's love alive in the world, and to give redemption and freedom from fear and sin. Because of Jesus, we are rich in God, not because we earned it or stored it up, but have been paid compounded interest and returns of grace in his resurrection. And faithfully, we can live unafraid, knowing that no matter what comes, God's grace is with us. Amen.